you have a Bible, I want you to go to First uh, Kings chapter 18. First Kings chapter, can we just thank our worship team real quick? Can we just say how much we appreciate them? Man, they are, um, <laughs> they are working under some adverse uh, conditions to, to continue to worship uh, online and in person. And uh, you, you have, by the way, you have no idea how difficult it is for them to lead you in worship and, and not be able to see your face. And you don't know how badly I want you to be able to just rip off that mask so I can see your face. And I know for many of you right now, you're like, let's just do it. Let's just rip it off on a count of three. But we're not going to do that. Um, and I, I'm just so grateful to you. Um, I said it last week. I just want to just thank you for persevering through this. It's just not ideal. It's just not. And uh, your leadership here is coming together, trying to make the best decisions they know that are possible. Like, what is the best thing we can do so that we can worship? And I was with, uh, I get together every year with some friends of mine today, th that every year we get together, we're spread out all over the country right now. This is our 21st year for my leg buddies to get together. We're all still serving Jesus, all still following after him, praying together, supporting one another. We've walked through some heartache and brokenness together. Um, but one of my friends, he's in Houston, and they're not even meeting in person. So, and they have a complete mask mandate everywhere. So when I was telling him about what we're dealing with, he was like, man, that's, oh, okay. And he's not a mask guy, by the way. He's not, he's, he didn't want to wear it, but he's like, he just thinks how odd it is. He's like, man, you guys are meeting, and how's that going? And, and, and it's, just, it's just an awkward time. So I just want to say again, thank you for what you're doing. Come on, turn to somebody, encourage them, and say, hang in there. Come on, hang in there. We're going to get through this together. So this series we're in right now is really appropriate for this time. We're calling it Presidents, uh, Prophets, and Kings. Presidents, Prophets, and Kings. The answer's not in the White House. The answer is in my house. Come on, turn to somebody and tell them the answer is in your house. The answer is in your house. That's where the answer is. An election? You, you vote. Please vote. I mean, do we need to change laws against some of the injustice that's happened in our world? Absolutely. We need laws. Of course we need laws. And do we need um, something to help us overcome this virus? Do we need a vaccine? Come on, somebody can't get here quick enough. Amen? I get, cannot get here quick enough. But that is not the, that's not going to fix everything. The answer is Jesus, and you and I hold that answer. And the reason we're doing this series and the reason we're camped out on one story in 1 Kings 18 is because it parallels what's happening right now in our world. The, the nation of Israel, if you weren't here last week, the nation of Israel, they didn't have a king. The other nations had kings, and they're like, we want a king. And God's like, I'm your king, let me lead you. And they're like, ain't good enough for us, we want a king. And so he said, okay, you can have a king. And then if you read through the kings, didn't go so well. I mean, it just says king after king did evil in the eyes of the Lord. And then this next king comes up, surely he'll be okay. No, he did evil in the eyes of the Lord. They get another guy. Oh, he'll do, he's, he's the right guy. If we just get that guy elected, if he gets in, everything, and then he did evil in the eyes of the Lord. Now, let me stop and I should back up because I think some people last week thought, is he saying every president is evil? No, that's not my point. That's not even close to what I'm trying to say, okay? Although that could be true. Uh, but any, but I'm kidding. So, sort of. So the nation of Israel, back on topic, Brad, the nation of Israel has got all these bad kings. Now they got this guy named Ahab, and he's the worst of the lot. Like, he's the worst they could have ever possibly had. And he's got idols, and he's got shrines, and he's got temples, and they're making, they're no longer worshiping Yahweh, Jehovah. Now they are worshiping Baal. 
That's the name of their, their God in this season. And so in this series, what we're talking about is God raised up a prophet in that time to call the people back. And I believe that God is calling you and He's calling me to be a prophet in our time. He's calling you and I to be an Elijah. And I believe what God is wanting to do is He's not wanting to start out there. He's wanting to start in here. And so often we're trying to fix what's out there and really what God wants to do is to fix it in here. And I think many of the problems we're facing in the world today, we as the church have to take responsibility for, and we have to look at our own lives. And I believe God wants to restore the church before he restores the world. Wait, Brad, do you think the church needs to be restored? Uh, yeah, <laughs> in a desperate way. God wants to bring about restoration in your life and in my life, and I believe there's four things that he wants to restore. The first one is worship, which we talked about last week. We talked about worship restores the wonder and awe of God. If you missed it, go back and watch it online. God, Jesus needs to be the center of our lives. He needs to be the focus of our lives. Talked about a little bit last week this idea that you and I, everything we do is an act of worship. Everything we do is an act of worship unto God. So I want to ask you, I want you to think back this past week. How, how did that go for you this week? Because it's so easy to get distracted. Remember we talked about getting distracted? And we said everything we do is an act of worship. So how did it go this week for you worshiping God? In what way did you maybe serve somebody? Did you help someone? In what way did you bring glory and honor to God through the things in your life? I want you to share for just a moment with somebody around you this past week. How did you keep Jesus at the center? Take a moment, share that with somebody around you. So if you're in 1 Kings, 1 Kings chapter 18, if you're brand new to church, brand new to the scriptures, I encourage you to download version. It is a, a great app, a great Bible app, and I read out of the New Living Translation. And so here, let me catch up to speed here. So Elijah, um, he has call, he's calling the people back to God. It's not going well for him, so he does this showdown at Mount Carmel. And many of you know this story. I talked about it last week. And so he calls all the prophets of Baal, that's the, the, the uh, God they were worshiping, at that time, the children of Israel, and he said, what we're going to do is we're going to have a showdown. You build an altar, I'm going to build an altar, you pray to your God, I'll pray to my God, we'll see what happens. And so you guys know last week when we talked about this, he was mocking the, the prophets of Baal because they were praying and nothing was happening. And he said, well, maybe your God's asleep. Maybe you need to pray louder, okay? And he starts mocking them, and nothing happens. And he said, well, hey, and it says this in the scripture, it says, May, maybe he's relieving himself going to the bathroom. Maybe he's going to the bathroom. I mean, this is the prophet of God who's saying this. He's just completely mocking them, which is why I love him, and he's such an amazing prophet, and it gives me full reign to mock anyone at any time, because it's in the Bible. So there you go. If you're a mocker, you get it, okay? So Elijah then, it gets to be his turn, and we read this in verse 30. Elijah called to the people, come over here, come over here. We talked about that last week, that Jesus is calling us to come over here. The world's saying, come over here, but God is saying, no, I want you to come over here. They all crowded around him as he repaired the altar of the Lord that had been torn down. 
He took 12 stones, one to represent each of the tribes of Israel, and he used the stones to rebuild the altar in the name of the Lord. We've got to rebuild the altar of worship. Talked about that last week. Then he dug a trench around the altar, and it says this in verse 33. He piled wood on the altar. He cut the bowl into pieces, and he laid the pieces of wood on that altar. And then he pours water over the altar. Then he says this prayer, and go with me to verse 38, and it says, immediately... That's how quickly your circumstances can change. Immediately, when you pray, God can answer you immediately. It says, immediately the fire of the Lord flashed down from heaven, burned up the young bull, the wood, the stones, the dust, even licked up the water in the trench. And when it, the people saw this, they fell face down on the ground and they cried out, the Lord, he is God. Yes, the Lord, he is God. Today I want to talk to you about self-sacrificing in a self-centered world. Self-sacrificing in a self-centered world. Let's pray. God, thank you for the worship that's already taken place. Thank you that your spirit and your presence and your power are already in this place. All we've got to do is receive it. And so we say in this moment, we receive your presence. We receive your power to change us and to equip us in Jesus' name. And everybody said... Well, at the beginning of this pandemic, right before it started, uh, many of you know uh, Aunt Mary. She lives in Missouri, and she was driving down a rural road in Missouri, and as she drove by, she noticed in the middle of the road what appeared to be a dead bat. And when she drove by it, she realized, wait a minute, that's not a bat. I think that's something else. And she pulls over to the side of the road, and she goes over, and she looks in the middle of this little highway on the stripes, is this little kitten about the size of my hand. And this kitten is pretty much dead. And if you know Aunt Mary, she's very compassionate, she's very merciful, very loving, she takes care of me, I am her child. And she's amazing. And she just was not going to leave that kitten there. So she scooped it up, actually, and it was bleeding, and she put it in one of her own, uh, her own coat or blouse that she had, and and she took it to this vet, and the vet said, yeah, I don't think this cat is, is going to make it. Uh, in fact, this is a picture of the, of the cat right here. Look at that. Um, big black eye um, cut. They had to do stitches. And the vet said, I don't think this cat's going to make it, but you can take the cat home and give it your best shot. And so she did. And Aunt Mary can nurse anything back to health. So she nurses this kitten all the way back to health strong, becomes vibrant. Then the pandemic hits and Aunt Mary comes to live with us. Who do you think came to live with us? Batty is his name. So Batty, because he looked like a bat in the middle of the road and because he, go back to the picture, because he has ears, well, that one doesn't show you good enough, sorry, but his ears are as big as a bat. I mean, they're just massive. And and so she brings him to us and Batty is with us for like three or four months and then Aunt Mary goes back to Missouri. Do you think Batty went back to Missouri? No, Batty stayed with us, which honestly I was okay with because we have a cat and it was fine and they got along great. And Batty began to grow, began to get strong, began to get healthy. And, and I mean, he began to get fatter and he just kind of, he was like, wow, this is, you castle my casa. I mean, he just loved our place. He's like, this is, in fact, this is him now. I mean, he is... He is living the life right now, people. I mean, he's like, this is amazing. 
So you would think after all that he's been through, the way in which he's been loved, nurtured, and cared for, that he'd be the most lovable cat ever. Do you think he is? No. He's finicky, which is why so many of you, raise your hand, do not have a cat. There they are right there. You're like, that's why I don't have one of those things in my house. But, but if you have a cat or you know anything about cats, he does come around twice a day. Yeah, yeah, in the morning and at night when I'm going to feed him, he's like all rubbing up on my legs. He's like, you the best, you the jam, man. I love you, man. You're awesome. How you been, Brad? How's your day been? I mean, he's just all up all over me, loving on me. Why? Because he wants me to feed him. He's finicky. When I was thinking about that, I was thinking about this cat, and when he was laying in the middle of the road, I was like, you know what? I mean, that is just an example of what it's, what it's like for you and I we're laying dead in the middle of life's highway, run over, no hope of restoration or healing, and Jesus stepped in and rescued you, and he rescued me. Somebody say amen to that. I mean, he did. He rescued you. You were beat up by life, and he nursed you back to health. He brought healing and hope and peace and purpose and everything else in between into your life and made you into something wonderful. And what can happen so many times is we can become finicky followers. Come on, turn to somebody and tell them, don't be a finicky follower. Do not be a finicky follower. We can become a finicky follower. In other words, we just come around when we need something from Jesus. Like, we're like, you're in need, and oh, I got something I need, I need to be fed, and, and hey, what's up, Jesus, you my homie, that's right, yeah, fist bumper right here, Jesus, boom, you and me, we together, my friend. And by the way, now that we're together, I was just wondering if you might be able to, and we can become finicky followers. This is not a new problem, by the way, this was going on even in Jesus' day, like, at least we have the excuse that, you know, he's not physically in front of us, but he was physically in front. Like God comes in, in the form, of, uh, it comes as a man in the person of Jesus Christ. He's walking with the people, and there's this story that many of you know where he feeds 5,000 of them through this incredible miracle. He feeds them all, and then he gets in a boat, he goes to the other side of the lake. And when he gets in the boat, goes to the other side of the lake, everybody's like, where'd he go? Where'd he go? And they're like, and so they track him down. They get in boats and they go to the other side. And they're like, well, where? we didn't know where you went. We were looking all over for you, man. We were with you. And Jesus says to them this. He says, the only reason you're following me is because I fed you. Can we not all be guilty of that? That the only reason we're following Jesus is because he, he's feeding us. It's so easy to make life about me. It's so easy for it to be about my needs, my wants, and my desires. And Jesus calls us to a life of self-sacrifice in a self-centered world. The truth is, we're not just batty, we're Aunt Mary. We are called to lay down our lives for others, to serve others, to be a rescue party and give our lives for others. In fact, here's where I want to go for a few minutes, and I'd like for you to write this down. I'd like for you to take this with you and kind of chew on it this week. When you think about sacrifice, sacrifice is laying down my life. Sacrifice is laying down my life so that others might live. Sacrifice is laying down my life so that others might live. And I think this altar in this story, it just provides great imagery of sacrifice 
And so we're going to look at the altar, but we're also going to go to the New Testament. We're going to look at some words from Jesus that kind of help us to understand the imagery that we receive from the story of Elijah. Look at the story of Elijah in 1 Kings 18.33. It says this, he simply, he piled wood on the altar. Seems like no big deal. Why would we stop there? But what you have to remember is in that era, in that time period, wood was highly valuable. I mean, they needed wood. They built chairs with it. They built carts for travel. They used it to keep themselves warm. And in that moment, what's Elijah doing? He's taking this precious, valuable resource, and he's putting it onto the altar, and he's, he's burning it. Write this down. Sacrifice, sacrifice is laying what I value on the altar. Sacrifice is laying what I value on the altar, giving what I value to God. Most of you know Laura is a master dumpster diver. Oh, she's good at it, people. I mean, if, there, if something is sitting by your curb, she might snatch it and it will end up at my house, repurposed for the glory of the Lord. So she's a master dumpster diver. She took it to another level when we were in Colorado. So we are deep in the Rockies, deep, deep off the paved road on a gravel road, winding up this mountain. I'm trying to figure out where I'm at. She's like, stop! I'm like, what? She goes, back up! And I think... Oh, I'm about to see a bear, I'm about to see a deer, I'm about to see something, and I back up. You know what that something was I saw? A sign that said, free. She jumps out of the car, somebody's got their junk piled up by the side of the road, she grabs it, puts it in our car, and we bring it all the way back from Colorado. Listen, it's, it's not a sacrifice to give away those things that I don't really hold with value. That, by the way, is called charity. Jesus says it this way in Matthew 16, 24. You must give up what? You must give up what? You've got to give up your own way. Come on, turn to somebody and say, that's your way, not my way. That's your way, not my way. Jesus says you you got to give up those things that you hold as valuable. I, I can just tell you, you know what I want to do? Man, I, I just, uh, <laughs> I got things that I find valuable, and I'm like, yeah, I just want to give them like part of what I value. Just give them like a little stick. There you go, God. Make the use of that. But that's not what God is asking. God God's not asking for a stick. God is asking for a stump. God is asking for it all. God is saying that very thing that you hold as value, don't just give me a little bit of it. Give it all to me. Put it all on the altar. And I think there's three things that we all hold in high value. Write these down. Time, talent, treasure. Your time, your talent, and your treasure. But let's be honest, when it comes to your time and your talent and your treasure, so many of us, myself included, I mean, we just get ahead of ourselves, don't we? I mean, we just, I mean, we, we, we just, we, we just, we get, we just think, man, I, I've got to use this for me. This is, it's about me. I mean, when it comes to my time, my talent, treasure, it's, it's about me. Think about, like, just think about posting on social media. Why are you putting that up on social media? What's the point of that? Let's be real. Most of the time I'm putting it up there because I want people to see me. I want people to like me. Yet most, when was the last time you posted something and you went, I'm doing this for others. I'm doing this for the benefit of 
others. I mean, it's just natural. That's how we are when it comes to our, our time. I know how I am. It's my time. I, it's me time. I, I want to use it for, for me and for what I want. When it comes to my talent and my abilities, I certainly don't want to be Rachel. I'm going to make some money. I, this is my talent, my abilities. I, I want to further myself. I want to make some money. I want, to get, I want the promotion. I want the recognition. And, and what Jesus is saying is, well, it can't be about you when it comes to your treasure. I know I want to spend my money on myself. I got like three Amazon packages hitting my door every single day, and it's full of me stuff. And God is saying, listen, I want you, when you think about your resources and your finances, are you thinking about other people when it comes to your time and your talent and your treasure? And I'm telling Jesus says this, we got to live our lives differently than the world. We are called to sacrifice. And that requires intentionality. So what if we were intentional with our time? You ever seen the movie Groundhog Day? How many of you have seen the movie Groundhog Day with Bill Murray? Okay, good. Most of you have. In this movie, if you have not seen it, Bill Murray, he's repeating the same day over and over again. 24 hours, alarm clock goes off, and it's like, put your little hand in mine. I mean, over and over and over again. And Bill Murray, much like how we live our lives, is like alarm clock goes off, it's another day. Alarm clock goes off, it's another day. Alarm clock goes off. And he's just kind of wasting his time, his talent, and his treasure. And then it hits him. Wait a minute, what if I'm intentional? And all of a sudden, Bill Murray stops thinking about himself. He learns a language. He learns how to play the piano. He has a, a woman that he's trying to win her love. He stops thinking about himself. He starts thinking about how can, I, how can I win her over. He starts thinking about others. And this is what God is calling you and I to do with our time and our talent and our treasure is not to waste it. Don't waste another moment. Turn to somebody and say, don't waste another moment. Man, you have time and you have talent and you have treasure and God is saying, sacrifice that. Lay down your life so that others might live. So we're going a little into overtime here, but we're going to keep going. 1 Kings 18.33 says this. This is the prophet Elijah. Not only does he lay the wood on the altar, but he cut the bull into pieces. Think about that for just a moment. Oh my goodness. Like, Elijah's not just a prophet. He's the local butcher. Like, I mean, if you can't get the picture, let me give you the picture of it, okay? He stands up, and he starts slicing this bull in front of everyone. In that moment, I imagine the parents are like, kids, hide your eyes. Why is he doing this? Because in that moment, what he's trying to do in that moment, he's trying to remind the children of Israel, listen, remember the sacrifice unto the Lord. Remember who you are. And, it, and where the prophets of Baal, they were also doing a sacrifice. They were, they were sacrificing their bull to appease their God because their God's so angry at him and they just don't want him to kill him dead. But what Elijah is saying, no, God loves you so much, he doesn't want you to die, so he's created a substitute. That is a bull. You kill the bull, you don't have to die. It's actually merciful and the love and the kindness of God upon the people of Israel. Fast forward, this is a foreshadowing of who? Come on, somebody. Jesus, yeah, it's not a trick question, not a trick question, it's Jesus, like Jesus becomes the ultimate substitute. The scriptures say that the bulls and animals could not take away the sins because they were imperfect. And because they were imperfect, there needed to be a perfect sacrifice, so God said, I'm going to come myself and I'm going to sacrifice myself on the altar so that you might live. He was the perfect sacrifice. And then Jesus says this. In Matthew 16, 24, take up what? Your 
cross. Take up your cross. In other words, Jesus is saying, you got to die to yourself. You got to die to all that ugly thing in you. You got to die to pride. You got to die to lust, to envy, to jealousy. You got to die to your selfish desires. Write this down sacrifice is laying my sinful desires on the altar. Sacrifice is laying my sinful desires on the altar. Like Elijah, God wants to cut away those things that are not like him. Colossians 3. He says, this is the Apostle Paul, he, he says, strip off, strip off your old nature, cut it away, and instead put on your new nature. Does that sound familiar, Rachel? Yeah, this is Rachel's scripture, Colossians chapter 3. And he says, you've got to cut away that old part of you, that ugly part of you, and you've got to replace it with something new that God wants to give to you. So when you're driving into our property, you probably haven't noticed, or maybe you have, but we have these big pine trees out at the entrance. Here's a picture of them. These pine trees have sat out there for forever, for years and years they've been out there. And, and I, we were thinking, you know, we need to trim these trees up. And so let's have a work day. And it's the middle of the pandemic. Let's just have a work day. And let's, let's get these things trimmed up. And I was like, man, that's a great idea. And then I got to thinking about it, and I was like, no, I'm doing it because I love chainsaws. And I said, cancel the work day. I'm going to do this myself. And so I got my chainsaw off. And if you, by the way, if you ever have something you need trim, I'm your man. It is, a, it is my pleasure and privilege and honor to serve you in such a way. I love me some chainsaw action. And so I was like, cancel the work day. I'm going to do it myself. So I cut down six trees on the property, trimmed up 11 all in one day, completely exhausted myself for the glory and the honor of the Lord. And when it was done, this is what it looked like. So when you leave today, come on, somebody, come on. Yeah, that's give me a little affirmation, little love. Thank you so much. When you leave today, you will see this. But this is the picture I want you to see. This is what God wants to do for you. That when, when God cuts away something from you, it's not a weapon against you, it's a weapon for you. He's not out to harm you like the enemy. No, no, he says, I want to remove those things that are not like me so that you are a beautiful representation of my son to the world. Sacrifice is laying down my life so that others might live. So Augustine, St. Augustine, he, he gave us three areas that we could examine daily. Write these down. Thoughts, words, and actions. Thoughts, words, and actions. What does that mean? How can I sacrifice my thoughts, my words, and my actions? I mean, think about it. When, you're think, when you think about your thoughts, that's kind of weird, but think about your thoughts, okay? Just go with me on this. So when, how many times have you had a Bitterness, a seed of bitterness planted in you because of something someone did to you, and you're just like, you're just thinking about it, and man, I just can't believe they did that, and it just begins to grow in you, and God says, I want you to forgive them. That's called sacrifice, and it costs you something, and it's not easy. I'm going to be bitter. I'm going to be twisted up inside, and God says, no, I want you to forgive. Think about your, your actions how many times you've been angry and you just want to lash out? How, how, this is all we're seeing played out around the world right now. People are lashing out in anger. They don't care about nothing or nobody. It is a sacrifice to hold back your words and instead respond in love. 
like when somebody is saying something that's just jacked up or counter to what you believe, and you just, and it's, it is sacrifice to, as a child of God, he says, respond in love. Your actions. I mean, man, I want to be, I, I'm greedy. I want to do it for me. I, this is me. I want it for me. And God says, no, I want you to be generous. Guess what? That is a sacrifice to be generous. Sacrifice is laying down my life so that others might live. Finally, 1 Kings 18.33. Go back to there. So he puts the wood on the altar. He puts the bull pieces, uh, cuts the bull pieces in, into pieces. And it says this, he laid the pieces on the wood. Think about this for just a moment. So Elijah takes the bull, cuts it up, and then he places it on the altar. Not some of it, all of it. All of it on the altar. Jesus said it simply this way in Matthew 16, 24, follow me. Write this down. Sacrifice is laying my entire life on the altar. Not just my time, my talent, my treasure, not just my thoughts, my words, and my actions, but me. <laughs> Laying my entire life. i got to lay all of me on the altar. I think there's no greater example of this than the disciples. Man, they gave up everything for Jesus. They gave up careers. They, they gave up um, occupations. They gave up money. They gave up homes. They gave up their reputations. They said, wherever, whenever, however, no matter the cost, wherever you're going, I'm going to follow you. And we hear that and we're like, man, those disciples, amazing. This was not just their call, it's your call and it's my call. Turn to somebody and say, that's your call. That's your call. And if you're not a follower of Jesus, I need you just leaning in right now in this moment. This is what it is to follow Jesus. Whenever, wherever, however, doesn't matter whatever it costs me. Doesn't matter if I'm in poverty or want. He gets it all. Life, life begins when I sacrifice. You, you have not lived until you've sacrificed. Life begins at the point of sacrifice. Why? Because that is where you find purpose and that's where you find meaning. And we see the ultimate example of that in our Savior, Jesus Christ. What did he do? He sacrificed his life. And then what happened? Death brought about new life. He was raised from the dead. Life begins at the point of sacrifice. I saw a story a couple of months ago. A young kid, six years old. His name is Bridger. He loves his little sister. She's really cute. He just adores her, and he's adored her since she was born. And they were playing in a friend's backyard. This dog um, started growling and kind of coming at his little sister. And then when this dog suddenly lunged at his sister, Bridger just instinctively jumped in front of his sister to guard over her said run and that dog he took the brunt of that dog the force and the attack of that dog upon himself he had to get a lot of stitches he was bruised up pretty bad but he survived miraculously he survived the story just went viral all over the world you may have seen it and he loves superheroes and 
Every superhero in Hollywood called him, FaceTimed him, encouraged him, said, man, we're proud of you. We are so enamored with this young kid. And the dad asked Bridger, he said, why did you do that? Why did you jump in front of your sister like that? He said, I just thought if somebody has to die, it might as well be me. When I heard that, I just thought, man, that's, that's Jesus. That's what Jesus did, man. He stepped in front of certain death. And he took the vicious attacks upon himself so I could live. And he's calling us to do the same because right now, we all see it right now, There are I mean, the, the dogs are out. I mean, it is a vicious world right now. There is so much injustice and abuse and hatred and anger, and it's ripping people's lives apart. And Jesus is saying, now, are you, are you willing to step into the gap for others? Are you willing to do whatever it takes and lay down your life so that others can? 